Hello, hello, hello! We are back! It's the Vintage Sand episode 10 years in the making! Yes, indeed! You have waited long enough and your patience will surely be rewarded because we are here. Team Vintage Sand, that would be the legendary John Meyer, uh, curmudgeon and all-star uh, Mike Edmund, and your humble narrator, uh, Josh Cabot, talking about our top 10 films of the decade of the teens. Today we are going to focus on uh, numbers 10 through 6 and next month we will pick it up from 5 to 1. So just a, a couple of general thoughts on the on the decade. Um, changes. Things are a yes. lot different now than they were in 2010. Yes. I mean most most obvious thing to me being that 7 of the 10 highest grossing films this year were put out by Disney. So you have the kind of consolidation mm, that you haven't yeah. seen in yeah. a long time. That and streaming. And the streaming. Yeah, yeah. And the streaming. And also, I would say, as we've talked about before in these pages, the rise of quality of television writing and filming that is often matches the quality of what you'll see in movies. It's not surpassing. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, having just watched the last episode of The Good Place, probably my favorite sitcom of all time, and gotta, you know, and I'm gonna try to watch that. I, I watched the first couple episodes and I couldn't get into it. Stay but, with it's yeah. brilliant, and I'm trying to brace myself for the last <clears throat> couple of episodes of BoJack Horseman on uh, on Netflix, which is brilliant, but dark, 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 dark. Um, also, films being watched on smaller and smaller screens. Yes. Which can I see people watching movies on their phones. Oh, all the time. All yeah. the time. And that can bode well for people like us who mm. love the Leone Kurosawa, mm. David Lean, <laughs> yeah. you know, using every inch of that huge rectangle kind right. of thing. But I wouldn't even want to see a film play on a phone. I mean, I, I just I, I just don't get it. To me, yeah, it's just I too small. Yeah, I mean, I, even when I'm on an airplane, I keep thinking, God, I wish I was seeing something larger than, you know, the back of the seat. I guess if you're not used to it, like, say, my students are, it doesn't yeah. feel like you're missing anything. But don't yeah. your students go to the, um, you know, the... The movie theater. The movie theater to One, see... Very uh, rarely. They don't very even go see uh, Avengers and things yeah. like that? Yeah, you know, the average American now goes three or four times a year. Uh, and that, you know, back in, before television became big in 48, oh, 50, went, it was people went several 40, times a week. 50, yeah, 40, 50 times yeah. a year average. Yeah. So now, you know, the theater is an endangered species, like I always say, and, that's, that's and why a long, a long time ago, a lot of times people were going to see movies and they were seeing double features. Yeah. Plus a newsreel, plus yeah, a, a, a short a or two, and yeah. a cartoon. One of those, yeah. you know, Great Bugs Bunny or Woody Woodpecker yeah. cartoons, and yeah. it was a whole day experience. You got some dishes at the end of the day if you stayed all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> it was good times. Disappointing to me that I had expected that the technology, the fact that now you could make a a almost professional quality looking film with your iPhone would somehow sort of democratize the business, that someone would create something brilliant on their phone and upload it to YouTube and someone would see them and it would make yeah. their career. T aside from Tangerine, remember, which was which out I of the year, was great. Um, so far, that great democratization has not really happened yet. Yeah, it's, you still need someone to distribute a movie, even if it's going to be on Netflix. You but again, you would think, you know, if, if you post something on YouTube and in, millions and millions of people can see it worldwide, that that would be another possible alternative, the right. first in a century, to the traditional business model, but it just hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's ever going to. 
And maybe it's having the gatekeepers there is not so terrible because if everyone if everyone was a director, no one would be a director, right? Because yeah. then how do you sort through all of it? Yeah. But I kind of thought that we would that the latest batch of directorial talent would come from there, would come from someone with an iPhone who makes beautiful movies and gets recognized. It hasn't really happened no. yet, but it might. It might still. We've had, us, although, please ignore, we were recording this uh, for three days before the Oscars, so uh, please ignore the Oscars for the moment, but we have seen an uptick in films made by women, in outsider stories being told by yeah. actual outsiders yes. themselves, yes. from, you know, uh, Ryan Coogler and Black Panther to Patty Jenkins doing Wonder Woman, so even the superhero movies, you know, plus... Um, you know, The Farewell and Crazy Rich Asians, and it's starting to change a little yeah. bit. Farewell was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Farewell was one of the Completely forgotten. best movies. Was was uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco directed by someone African American? I think it was. Actually, no. No? I think it was directed by a white man. Interesting. I believe. But, yeah. And I that's mean, on my 10 best list for 2019. Yeah, and, and you know, but we're still, as we were gaining confidence that this was finally ending, then Green Book wins. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so we're right back. We hit the reset button back to crash in 05. As I said, Green Book, I could imagine being made, say, 1959 with Paul Newman and Sidney Poitier. Exactly. Or, or Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier. Wait, they made that already. <laughs> but it was, it was No just... more yes boss <laughs> God, most, I love that the, movie. The most, the most ridiculous... <laughs> thing I saw in last year's Oscar was a movie about race relations and all of those white men, old white men getting up, except for Octavia Spencer, who I yeah. understand they hired at the last minute yeah, to be I'm an executive yeah. producer. I'm sure, because of the optics of it. Yeah, so progress, definitely better off than we <clears throat> were 10 years ago. Oh, definitely, definitely, but a way to go. But a way to go. And yeah. my last thought is, and we'll pick this up uh, in the in the next episode, is we are still, you know, one of our earliest episodes, our third episode, actually, which everyone should listen to because it's really good about the class of 99. Um, there's no one, there hasn't been a real emergence of a group of people who are sort of going to take the place of the Scorsese, De Palma, Coppola, Spielberg. Well, not group. only that, on one of my uh, 10 best lists, there's a, a female director who's not directed a major movie since uh, she's directed some stuff in television and she's executive producer I, I'm, I'm speaking of lisa koloenko koloenko yeah. I, I looked it up in imdb and she's not then again directing and yet that was a su very successful the kids are all right was yeah. a very successful movie it's a good movie yep it's a very good movie and, and uh, you know i don't I, understand i was taken aback by how much i like little women um, oh, I did too. And uh, Greta Gerwig may with she's she's on my list of of possible next great auteurs, with the exception of, of casting of Timothy Chalamet. I it thought he was acceptable. disastrous. Well, as, I have a Lori. I have a total crush on Florence Pugh at this point. She's great. Um, she is from great. that Midsummer. So she is uh, great. Which and I have not seen Midsummer yet, but she was great. Everybody was great. Stunning. Everybody in, was great in um, Little Women. I thought except. And I like Timothy Chalamet. I thought he was wonderful in Call Me By Your Name. But I, to me, he just looked, throughout the film, so young. And when they were arguing about him, I thought, oh, do they want to marry him or do they want to adopt him? Yeah, he did, he did look a little, a little youthful, a little, a little spry. 
He's a youngling, no doubt. Well, that, by was, the way, that was my problem with Call Me By Your Name. A little uh, bit. Well, it, yeah, it looked... It, yeah. There yeah. were shots where it looked... Because Army Hammer looks... He looked... He could pass for 40. Yeah. And, and he's and supposed there, to be 24. And there were shots where I was like... It looks like a twelve-year-old and a forty-year-old. Yeah. This is this is making me really uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, to me, since since one of my top ten, much to my own surprise, is a film about a gay relationship that a lot of people complained about the chemistry. I will I will hold off judgment on that. But so here are we? Well, I rec- think we had the same movie. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would think so. Although no surprise given how I feel about its director. So let us begin. Uh, John, you want to go first? Number ten for you. Okay, well, as, I, as I, we were talking before we started the recording, and I was saying that I really couldn't decide on my... I have a three-way tie for my first thing, so Grand Budapest Hotel, Black Klansman, and The Irishman. I'm starting off with those three. So go alphabetically, for, for <laughs> lack of any better Black organizing Klansman, Black Klansman, the thing that just always sticks in my mind about Black Klansman is that to be able to take such an important and disturbing subject and still make this a very entertaining movie with a lot of humor is a very impressive feat. I th- and I uh, thought the acting all and, uh, around. Yes, all yeah. around. Everybody. First time I ever seen uh, John David Washington. And he's excellent in it. He's and in who the, I haven't seen since. Has he been he's going to be in the new Chris Nolan movie. Not that I'm excited about that. It's coming in July, everybody. Okay. But uh, called Tenet. But, uh, he which he was very, very good. And Adam Driver, who keeps surprising yeah. me. He was excellent in it. He's an yeah. excellent actor. Yeah. Have you ever seen him on stage? No. I saw him in Burn This uh, over the summer. He was remarkable. So much better than uh, John Malkovich, who originated. He, he was even the good in the, in the benighted last Star Wars film, but I don't want to get into how, how much I dislike that movie. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and another, yet another return for Spike Lee. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, I think, think it's, it's the best. best I think it's the best movie he's done in many years. I think it's totally yeah. his best film. Better you know, than, I, better than <laughs> do the right thing, yeah. Oh, granted, I haven't seen do the right thing in thirty years. So, I, and, easily the best thing he's done, I think, since um, I don't know. And unfortunately, it's it's it is based on a real person, an actual incident from the seventies. Still very very relevant and present. Well, and I've, I've said before in these, uh, when we were talking about our uh, alternate 80s Oscars and how I thought Do the Right Thing, which was not nominated, should have won in 89, and about how you would think 30 years later plus that that would be like a nice could've historical Could have happened yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would I would say Klansman is his best film since 25th Hour. I like 25th Hour a I did lot. too. I was very pleasantly surprised. But I like Klansman more than that one, I think. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Yeah, and I think... Hopefully, with all the films we're going to mention today, it's a film that's going to have some legs. I mean, that it—that's our, our only standard is time, and we'll be, be watching it in uh, if we're all still around in twenty, thirty years. Especially, we get another four years. You know who? But there you go. <sighs> all right, Michael, number ten for oh. you. Okay, my number ten is Ida, or pronounced Ida, but it's Ida. the Polish film. The Polish yep. film, yep. Uh, written and directed by Paula Polaski. And it's a very, very austere movie about a religious novice in early 1960s rural Poland. Mm. And before she's taking her vows, Mother Superior instructs her to look up her aunt, who lives in a nearby town. And she finds out that, um, A, she's Jewish. Oi. <laughs> B, her real name is Ida. 
and that her parents died because the people who were hiding them during World War II gave them up. And since then, her aunt has become a... Um, a judge. A judge. And uh, for the Russians, she's very, very pro-Russian uh, and also kind of a drunk. And... Um, I think pro-communist is a better Pro-communist, yeah. yeah. And um, so, through the very short movie, they... Uh, Visit the parents' grave, and then um, Aunt Wanda, who's, as I said, this poor girl has no idea what's happening to her, and uh, drags her to bars, and then, and then they listen to some jazz, and you just never know what's going to happen next. They meet the singer, and um, it's uh, beautiful, beautiful black and white photography. Mm. And it uh, was a surprise hit. It won uh, the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film, I believe, of 2014. And also won the New York Film Critics Award. And you liked his more recent, Pawlikowski's uh, yes, more not recent... Yes, not as much as he About his, based on his parents, War, the music... Cold War. Yes, yeah, that's yes, on yes, my... Yes, yes, uh, yes. Um, Best of 18? Uh, honorable mention. Ah, for you. I kind of, I like, I, I agree with you. I like it a bit more than Cold War, mm -hmm. but I, I had this, I had this, I like it a lot, but I had the same feeling as I did with Cold War. I just felt, by the end, I just felt like, is there a scene or two missing? No, I didn't. Not with Ida. Yeah, I just, I just I felt I like, I just rich. felt when it gets, gets to the, towards the end and she makes that, her, her decision, her mm -hmm. life decision, I just felt like it was very abrupt, like I was missing a scene. But, mm -hmm. uh, but, but I like. But I it like, stayed with you. I, I like did. it a lot. It didn't. I've only seen it once. I don't even have a copy of it. Wow. Uh, I really, really. It was just, and I, I resisted seeing it because I thought, oh. Catholic. And they're both wonderful in it. Oh yeah, the acting is wonderful, but I just thought Catholic. You know, I mean, sometimes I thought it was all about Catholicism. I'll be honest with you. I find the two popes a bit of a bore. <laughs> I, I didn't even see it. I it's worth seeing for the acting, but it's less like, you know, if I were Catholic, I'd probably get into this more, maybe. So, uh, but, and that's what I uh, feared for Edith. And I thought, oh, I got, I forced myself to see it. <coughs> and I was pleasantly surprised. All right. So that's my number 10. Good. Uh, our, our first foreign film comes early. Very good. I'm, I'm one of the th things I embarrassed... I'm embarrassed about my list is that it is almost all Hollywood. I think maybe all Hollywood. And my list was full of surprises to me, unexpected things. And I'm going to go controversial with number 10 because I'm going science fiction and I'm going long-delayed sequel. And that's Blade Runner 2049, directed by Denis Villeneuve, who's done some of the best science fiction films this decade and is doing uh, the adaptation of Dune. Uh, which will no Another doubt be... Dune. Yes, it'll be better than the David Lynch. Oh I my God. promise, 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 promise. Um, and there have been so many of those long-delayed sequels that nobody wanted, like Tron. The new Tron, you know, a new oh, yeah. Anchorman, yeah. a new Zoolander, a new, you know, oh, yeah. a new Dumb and Dumber after... 25, 30 years. Oh, it's, it's all about money. It's all about... If they think it's going to make money, they, they do it. But, and, and, they're, and they're too lazy to have anything new written. So but Blade Runner 2049, and Ros Ryan Gosling is actually going to show up a couple of times on my list, which is shocking. Um, it's a miracle. It's, it's like the new Watchmen series on HBO because it's faithful to the universe that was created in the 1982 Ridley Scott film. But it manages to build on it and in some ways create something that's superior to it. Uh, Villeneuve is... 
has done some amazing work this decade, as I said, um, including uh, Arrival and some other good stuff. The performances are great. Ryan Gosling is terrific. In this case, you know, the first one centered around the mystery of who's human and who's a replicant. This, that he knows he's a replicant, and his girlfriend, played by... Amade Armas is very clearly electronic, and she, by the way, has become, she was the girl in Knives Out, the housekeeper in Knives Out, and she's going to new Bond girl when uh, No Day to Die, No Time to Die, or whatever it's called, uh, comes out in April. Is so, Mendes, did Mendes direct that? I think so, yeah. yeah. Well, well, soon to be Oscar awarded Sam Mendes for 1917, I would Again. guess. Yeah, I, I did, well, Mike and I disagree on 1917, but I'm biased, so I, I I would go with it anyway. Um, Robin Wright has uh, undergone sort of a career renaissance. She's in it. She's wonderful. Jared Leto as the the techno genius who starts the whole thing going. Um, Edward James almost repeats his role from the original, and only towards the very, very end do we see Harrison Ford, and in as as Deckard, the main character, and those last scenes that there's an entire sequence that's shot in the ruins of Las Vegas. And it's it's straight Ozymandias. It's you know broken, huge broken statues lying in the sand. It's the most visually ambitious. It's the closest anyone's gotten visually to Kubrick since Kubrick. Oh, there, wow. I'll say it. Okay. And I saw it a couple of times. Audacious on, of you. I, I, yeah, it is <laughs> audacious and bodacious of me to was say it a, that. Was it a successful film? No. It wasn't. It wasn't a terrible failure, but it cost a lot to make. It didn't make a ton of money. But it's also, the visuals are beautiful enough. The acting is good. The music is great. But it's ambitious in a Kubrick way because it's about evolution. Spoiler alert. What happens is that uh, the last gift that their founder gives the replicants is the ability to conceive a child. Which make which as one of the characters in the film says, if we can have children, this means we're not slaves anymore, and so it's about evolution, mm -hmm. not in the cosmic way that two thousand one was, but in a much more direct and and it's moving and surprising, and you think it you know where it's going. I got to see it at the Castro too in San Francisco, oh. which I'm sure didn't hurt when I was out there. So yeah, um, kind of surprised myself to have uh, it. It's the bottom of my list, but still, it's a film that when I just rewatched it, I liked even more than originally. So Denis Villeneuve's uh, Blade Runner 29 from Blade 2049 from 2017. I did Love not him. see it. I didn't see it either. I'll have to check it out. Um, I should probably try to get through Blade Runner before. Yes, I, I happen to love. I, 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 did, I, not, I did not like it. I've not been able to get through it. It's it, it's mm -hmm. similarly paced. Let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> next may not be on uh, by our next episode. All right. Sorry. So <laughs> so with that, we cheerily move on to number nine alphabetically for John. Oh, uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I would describe as a really really delicious piece of bittersweet chocolate. It's Mendel's! It's like those... Because uh, Budapest yeah. is on my list, too, higher. It's like those beautiful constructed yeah. pastries at Mendel's. Yes. Yeah. That's a perfect metaphor for the film. Yeah, it's just... Uh, I just love how Wes Anderson has... He's visually designed a movie that is so eccentric, yet it's still grounded in reality, so you don't feel like, what the hell is this kind of thing. You always, you're, you always, you're always involved with, with the characters, and Ray Fiennes is superb. Stunning. 
Stunning. Stunning. I mean, maybe the best, and, you know, all of all of Wes's people are in the movie in yeah. one way or another, yeah. including yeah. Society of the Cross. Oh, yeah, please. well, I mean, Ray but, Fiennes, F. Murray Abraham, Matthew Amrick, Adrian Brody, Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum, Harvey Keitel. I love the part with the little the little tools trying to get out of Bill, Bill Murray and, Bill Murray and, and, and the Society Dumas. of the Cross Keys. Yes. Go, oh, yeah. Oh, to the rescue. I'm, I need to try to see that again. Because I like Wes Anderson, and that movie disappointed me. And it's funny, because I don't like Wes Anderson. I mean, I, I, I respect Rushmore. I respect uh, uh, Tenenbaums. I like both of the animated films a tremendous amount. I like I do the too, one about the two children. The Moonrise. Children. Moonrise. Moonrise. Yeah, Moonrise much. Kingdom. Uh, and for some reason, this is the first... I, I, it's like number six or seven on my list. Wow. I was shocked. But I need it, to see it again. It's just, and and we have to try to figure out what's different about this one. One obvious thing I, is, I, well, is the history. I would, I, yeah, I would say because it's even though it's, it definitely relates to the Holocaust. I mean, you've you've it's it's there. Fascism edging yeah. its way yeah. in. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And so definitely. there's always an edge of melancholy in or bittersweetness in Anderson's films. Yes. Oh yeah. And, yeah. But. This is the first one because of what you're talking about, John, because yeah. there's this edge of fascism coming in. He feels like he earns it. Yes. This time. It doesn't yeah. feel earned. It, I don't yeah. feel sorry for the people in Rushmore or Tenenbaums or Darjeeling or Life Aquatic or any of the other films. Um, but they're, Well, Isle of Dogs. Yes. <laughs> and, and Mr. Fox, although not much pathos there, but um, absolutely. So, yeah, to, I totally agree with you and am stunned as a non-West lover to find that on my list. Michael, your number nine. Number nine, uh, as I mentioned briefly before, uh, The Kids Are All Right. Mm, Lisa Chilibanko. And uh, directed and uh, written by her and Stuart Blumberg. And... Um, a great cast. It's a wonderful, wonderfully acted. Uh, uh, I think it's Annette Benning at her very, very best. Oh she God, she's great. She's so Moore. when is she not good? Also, that's true. Yeah, she. It's when pretty, is Julianne Moore not good? Yeah. yeah, she was great also, and so uh, was Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, uh, he got to really recognized. I think that was the first time he really got like, oh, this guy's a really good actor. Kind of recognition. He got the New York Critics Award and. It, Oscar nomination, and um, uh, I don't know, should I explain the plot since it was so long ago, or does everybody know about it? No, I think just to talk about how you, uh, why it's so high on your list. Uh, you, you, see, you see more than both of us put together because you have, yeah, because you have the sad. Oh, I, 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 I like the movie a lot. I think it's excellent. I, I like yeah, it actually, I, I, I considered it in my list, and, it's, and I said, ah, oh, he's got it on his list, I'm not going to put it on oh, mine, because okay. then we get to talk about it. Yeah, okay, good, good. Um, it's just... Um, it's this lesbian relationship in California, and Benning is a doctor. Julianne Moore is trying to find herself from job to job. Well, and she's, yeah, and she's sort of an artist. Or sort, sort of. of. Sort of, like, yeah. it's... Yeah. She tries to do different things, yeah. and they have two kids, um, each from the same sperm, but one kid per woman. And one's 18, one's 15, and the 15-year-old boy wants to find out who her father was. And the 18-year-old girl can investigate. And they find out it's this restaurateur, um, Mark Ruffalo. Right. And uh, he's a very complex character. I mean, on the one hand, he's a really nice guy, wants to do really right. On the other hand, he has an affair with one of the women. Hmm. 
and um, and he's also in a relationship to begin and with. And is in a relationship. And if I remember right, the the oldest child, the the girl, doesn't want to find. No, him. Yeah. she doesn't. It's yes. the boy yeah. who forces. He really him. pushes her. He really forces him, and he's an excellent actor. He looks like a teenager. And the only other thing I've seen him in is in the Hunger Games movies. Um, I haven't seen him in anything else. I looked up on IMDb. Oh, God, what is his name? Is he Gale or Peter? John Hutchinson. Is he Gale or Peter? He's Gale, I think. He's Peter. Oh, no, he's Peter. He's blonde? No. Yeah, he might be blonde in the movie. He's he's the good guy. I I can't remember. I haven't seen... I've only seen two of the movies, but I read all the books. (laughs) Yeah, you... you, (laughs) I know. You didn't miss much with the last couple, except Donald Sutherland is really good. I can't take Donald Sutherland seriously as an actor anymore. Whenever I see him now, I hear the voice of the Delta Airlines or the Orange Juice Man. (laughs) I'm sorry. From Hawkeye Pierce to the Orange Juice Man. That's a career arc for you. And and I found that in that particular movie, in uh, The Hunger Games. I thought, he's the evil... President Snow, I cannot take him seriously. I hear, I I just want to get on a flight. (laughs) It's a shame because he's such a good actor. He is a good actor, but he's prostituting himself. But back to the kids are all right. It did very well, but what has happened to Lisa? She's moved to television. television. Which these days is not uh, dishonor. She was the showrunner and director of uh, Olive Kittredge um, on HBO. And she was also the producer of the TV show, the recent TV show on Netflix, Unbelievable. Yes, about yeah. the uh, sexual assault. Sexual assault right. and the two um, uh, female cops who, you know, find find them. But I, I'm really very very surprised that she has not done other films because this since is since then. Since then, because it was so good. Yeah. Um, she and and Blumberg won the Critics Award for Best Screenplay. Was nominated for Best Picture for God's sakes. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and I, I just don't understand um, why they her career hasn't taken off. Well, well maybe 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 it's, maybe it's partly it could by be, choice. It you could be. Know. It could you be. Never know. But I don't or know. Maybe she only wants to do things that she writes herself. And That's true. Possible too. Yeah, guys, mm-hmm. you know how big an insane Deborah Granick film fan I am, mm-hmm. and yes. she only did two films this That's decade. Right. Yeah. That's right. And one of them is on my list, of course. But I knew it would uh, be. <laughs> I knew it would be. So that's why knew, I didn't put it on mine. You knew it would be. So, um, but she, you know, she. Does, she was offered tons of work, she said, after Winter's Bone came yeah, out. Yeah, but it was and all junk. It was all crap. Yeah. It was all, you know, doing Maybe episodes a... of, uh, of NCIS. And she said, no, nah, that's not why I got into the business. Yeah. But, Maybe it's um, the same thing. Maybe okay. it's the well, same good thing. good for her. Good for her. But uh, if you haven't seen this movie, and, and... We should add that there's a lot of humor in the movie. Yes. There is humor. I don't think I would call it a comedy. No, but, but it's some a... some people do that. I know some people do. Unfortunately, out of the 35 movies that I considered for this list, there was only one comedy. Well, we would consider a comedy, and it's not even on my 10 best. And everybody, we had a whole episode about what the hell happened to film comedy in the 2010s. It was a listen to that one because it's it's really sad. We, you know, aside from Spy, there's like nothing. And that was that was the one. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Anyway, kids are all right. Number nine. Um, speaking of the Sisters of Sappho, um, I am, <laughs> I, I am shocked, 
uh, not by that, but I'm shocked by the thing. You guys know, and Mike, you and I argue about this all the time, how much I despise Kate Blanchett as an actress. I, 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 she's the most mannered. She rind, reminds me of early Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep from the 80s, you know, technically perfect and just ice cold. What and actress is he talking about? I know. I, I, I'm very much alone in this. With everyone, I, I don't know why. I've never believed her until Carol. Really? And she's great in it. It's she not is. not surprising to me on the list because I've always been in a huge from from the very beginning a huge fan of Todd Haynes, um, especially after Safe. You know his film mm-hmm. with Julianne Moore that we talked about. Although his recent movie is rather disappointing. I didn't even see the new yeah. one yet. I heard it was terrible. Very, it's a genre film, isn't it? It's it's basically a kind of a political. And Wonderstruck was kind of neither here nor there. Wonderstruck, which one? The kids lost museum. I, oh I, I, god, I didn't yeah, care for that. Yeah, at all. exactly. Yeah. But Carol said it as it is in the fifties. It harkens back to his other great fifties. I, sh- I should film. say Carol's. I guess would you call my number seven? So oh, okay, good. So so, so, so let's talk about so it. So chime on in. And it's on my honorable mention list. Yeah. I, I, first of all, people complain that there was no chemistry between Cape uh, Blanchett and Rooney Mara. I didn't, I didn't find that. I, I at didn't find all. that at all. What I really liked about first of all, what, it's one of those films where all the elements of a film come together. The, the use of the music, the cinematography. Carter Burwell. We have to shout out. Yeah, the yes. music is the, so the, beautiful yeah, for that. The, the editing, the 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 acting, the writing come together to make a very moving story well, without well, villains. Right. Without well, Bill, no, not really. He's not he's a nice a, guy. Well, <laughs> and he hires well, a private investigator yeah, that, to tape them. That's and, the part yeah. I was going to say. That's where he goes over the line or whatever. But it's <laughs> a bit. I, I basically just find like it's about two people trying to find their way. And the thing that is was so controversial about but the, they happen to be gay, <laughs> right? But the thing that Patricia Highsmith wrote this in 52 as The Price of Salt had to publish it under a pseudonym because what is so controversial and so lovely about it is that it has a happy ending. Yes. Yes. You know, usually, especially when something said... It has has one of the great shots of all time. The smile. Her Kate Blanchett's smile. Uh, It's just magnificent. And you're like, you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop because it's the 50s and we know that stories about homosexuality always end in punishment in those days. And it just doesn't. It's revolutionary. And it's also one of those movies you can really give yourself over to and just get lost in because of the atmosphere it creates. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, remember Far Far From Heaven. Yeah. Which is is definitely one of the best. Another Forbidden Love in the 50s, Douglas Sirk kind of uh, film, which I thought was yeah. magnificent yeah. also beautifully shot and yeah. acted and yeah. so uh, you know all those amazing shots in glass and mirrors yeah. and the, the, they're, in, they're meeting each other yeah, in the meticulous attention to detail oh it's just you know it's it and the, the metaphor that is the train set you know that 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 um that Therese loves so much yeah. you know because that's creating a sort of world unto itself which right. is what Haynes right. does there and I, I just thought maybe it's because she's playing someone of the upper crust uh, which she's done before I mean she's played Queen Elizabeth a couple of times and, uh, and she Catherine was Hepburn. on stage the, one of the, the greatest Blanche Dubois yeah I can I've believe ever that seen. Uh, Liv Ullman directed her and it, it that was, was at BAM, right? That was at BAM. That's right, that's and right. And it was him and uh, Joel Egerton yep. as Stanley. And it was, I think I mentioned this once before when we were talking about Liv Ullman. 
It was the best production of Tennessee Williams I've ever seen. And Michael has seen a lot of them, and so I've that's saying something. So <laughs> too much, many. He was I, in one of them. I was in one. So again, for me at number nine, not a surprise because I've been always been a huge fan of Todd Haynes, but quite a surprise on the other hand because I've never been a huge fan I, I of Kate Blanchett. Really? Um, Another thing I'm, I really like about it too is that you really sense their loneliness. Oh, absolutely, uh, completely. Because what what their experience is is looked at as forbidden so it can't be out in the open but I, I always remember that part with Rooney Mara when she goes to the party after she's decided to leave the Kate Blanchett character and her sense of loneliness is so strong and she sees that other woman at the party who she thinks might also be gay. Who's in the other window. Yeah, That's a beautiful yeah, shot. You yeah, see her in one window and the, yeah, and the other woman in the adjacent window. God, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And it's a, the beautiful metaphor for and, separation and, and, you, and loneliness. And you, yeah, yeah. And, but also she's got to find her way. She's got to be able to get herself like over, over the line and say, you know, fuck it. I'm going to go be with the person that makes me happy. Yep. I would bet that this is a film that's going to be watched in 50 years. Yes. I, I, I have, think yeah. so. I have no yeah. doubt about it. Yes. I think so, too. Yeah. So for me at number nine is Todd Haynes' Carol from 2015. Johnny, alphabetically, number eight. The Irishman. Yay. Hmm. It's what it is. It is. It's what it is. <laughs> uh, Certain people, thing, not me, <laughs> have said this is your number eight film. They wouldn't dare. <laughs> exactly. It wouldn't take your... They wouldn't take your podcast which, away from you. Which brings up a reason as when I was thinking about, you know, our, my top ten, so-called top ten of the decade, I just started thinking more about movies that I just want to watch again. Sure. And The Irishman is one of those movies that I want to watch over and over again, even if I just watch certain parts of it. Uh, I think mostly because of the actors. I just really enjoy watching all these different actors work together. Uh, De Niro, Pacino, Joe Pesci, Ray Romano, Bobby, Cannavale, Anna Paquin, Stephen Graham was so great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm still and, and annoyed. Tony Pro. And, and Harvey Keitel is a very small part, but it's used you so effectively. Beautifully. Yeah, by the nice. way, getting back, that's the only one casting I didn't like in Grand Budapest. Was that part that Harvey I was Keitel? like, why Harvey, what, what's he doing here? <laughs> but because it was in other, other Wes Anderson I movies. I know. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, and, and you guys had pointed out very astutely in when we had our whole episode devoted to the Irishman that it's about the one-on-one conversations. Yes. Yeah. That yes. those are done. It's a very intimate movie yeah. considering its epic yes. span. Yeah, I think that's the thing that really, really... I really liked a lot about it. Like you say, it's at a very, very epic span, almost 20 years. Uh, I mean, it's it definitely fits in that category, the so-called epic, but it's a very intimate movie. The the, the best scenes are those the small moments between yeah. Pacino and De Niro and De Niro and Pesci. They're, they're beautiful. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Yeah. Um, it's on my honorable mention list. It almost made it. It's. It's. I love the movie. I, I think it's Scorsese's best movie in many years. In many many years since Age of Innocence. Well, you said yes, and that's yes, almost exactly. thirty years. And um, all of the acting is great. I'm. I'm going to be very sad at the Academy Awards this this weekend because I'm predicting it's going to go zero for ten. I don't think it's going to win. Anything. I. I wouldn't be surprised. And because there's so many people that I've talked in and outside of the industry who do not like this movie. Really? Yeah. yeah. Why? Too, too, too long? long? Oh my god, seriously? Yeah. 
You see what I'm up against here as an English teacher? Yeah. Um, <laughs> People like, forget that, have imagine any, how they feel about Scarlet Letter. Have, yeah, too, too, too long. Have too any long. of your students seen it? Even seen it? No. Yeah. I'm one of those weird kids who liked the Scarlet Letter in high school. But there were more of us back then when you <laughs> yeah. were in high school. It's true. It's true. Because, you know, we were from a time where even if you were at the bottom of your class in high school, you read. You read Car yeah. Driver mm-hmm. or you yeah. read Glamour, but you yeah. read. You yeah. got your information yes. through the printed word. Yes. That just doesn't happen anymore, and it has ruined... I hate to sound like crank, the cranky old curmudgeons that we are, but it has dulled attention span. Yeah. So when you tell me that even people close to our age can't sit through the Irishman, I, know. I totally believe that I mean there was I, a, a study recently about very very young children just beginning to learn to read that they absorb a lot more information when they're given the book absolutely. instead of looking at it at a computer or some other device no doubt all the research I've seen and I look at a lot of it has said that each students themselves prefer even high school students prefer the book in their hand yeah but they don't. But they're not watching stories. They're spending their time on screens doing other stuff. Not not paying attention to three and a half hour movies. <laughs> Before we leave the Irishman, I just want to say one thing about how truly wonderful Joe Pesci is in this movie, and it's it startling performance. It, it may possibly be his last because he does. He says he's retired. He doesn't want to work. He hasn't been campaigning or anything for the Oscar. He probably won't even be there yeah. this Sunday. Well, they had to really talk him into And they had to really, this. really talk him into Cause it. Because he said, like, oh, we already did that. Yeah. But then right. when he started to learn more about mm-hmm. what it was about and what he would be doing, he, he finally said yes. He did, but it, it, was a, it was a pull to get him to do it, and he's so good in it. And it, it in fact, I, I would even go as far as to say I think it's... Well, maybe not as great as Raging Bull. I love him in Raging Bull, but it's it's one of his best performances. He's just so damn good. I, I voted for him in the SAG Awards without any hesitation, even though technically technically don't think it's a supporting performance, but none of them are. Yeah, no, yeah. Right. exactly. Which one <laughs> yeah. is supporting? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Ray Romano's Right, Ray Romano's. And Stephen Graham, who I'm really sorry is being overlooked. I hope yeah, he's great. I hope he gets work out of this because he's so, he's so so good. And uh, if I could have had a list of eleven, I think uh, you could have. Irishman would have forgiven. Would have been on my my eleventh <laughs> or twelfth. It's it's really a a super movie, and I'm getting tired of having to defend it with other people. That's really <laughs> you two are the Wait, only so ones. That's your that's your number eight. No, right? I, no I've met I've met, oh, I met other yeah. people who have uh, who like the Irishman. So, but have you met anyone who hasn't? Who hasn't? Yeah. No, I have not because anyone who's sitting down knowing they have three and a half hours ahead of them and it's a very small number of people mm-hmm. is already inclined to like Scorsese, yeah. to like film, and to. But I have met. Younger people who like the art. Yeah, I know you have. So yeah, I haven't. But then I, I've seen some old people, and old people who don't uh, like it either. Well, I could see why some older people might not like it because of what it's about. Mm. It's maybe it makes them think too much about their own fragility. Well, yeah, but we're co- I'm coming to another movie about that. Yes, okay. Uh, see, we have these natural segues that just build in. I yeah, love no. it. And it wasn't rehearsed. It wasn't that. How rehearsed. did they do it? I it's it's no mirrors, folks. Brilliant. Nothing up my sleeve. All right. All so, right, so, Michael, you're number 8. Isn't it your? No. Oh, okay. Irishman was was John's number 8. Oh, yeah. I thought it was your turn. Okay. My number 8, I think might be your number 8 too. His number 8 was Which Carol. is or, or number seven, Inside Lewin Davis? That's coming from me. Oh, okay. 
uh, in St. Louis Davis, um, one of the best uh, Coen Brothers movies, definitely of the decade. Absolutely. And um, my favorite uh, Coen Brothers movie since Big Lebowski. Um, I kind of put Coen Brothers into three categories. Yeah. About I like a serious I man. I like a serious man also. I like a serious man also. But I like there's... And you like True Grit. Much, much better than the original. Well... Which it would, yeah, but I mean, this I didn't is like Glenn TV. Campbell we're talking about here, guys. Let's let's, let's be respectful here. I, did, I didn't really care much for True Grit. What, the uh, remake? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Well, I liked it a lot. It's not one of my favorites, but since I knew what was going to happen, it was like, why did they remake this? I go, oh, oh admit it. It's secretly, it's your number one. <laughs> No. <laughs> and and there are moments in Hail Caesar that are among the best things they've ever done. The, now, the, Hail Caesar disappointed me. The musical numbers are yeah. wonderful. Yeah, and no, it's it's un, it's very uneven. Very there uneven, are, there right. are moments that are very funny. And the but... scene where the religious leaders are approving the script for you know the rabbi, the <laughs> minister, and the priest are giving their comment. It's that's glorious, Cohen Brothers, and I love Tilda Swinton in it. Mm-hmm. And the opening, as we said in another episode of the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, oh yeah. my God, Tilda yeah, Nelson. That is... I like the there were so many of God. the other episodes yeah, of that not. that I did not like. Yeah, that one Overall, was that I, was great. And you, in Lewin Davis, you're talking about one of the great studies of failure ever put on and screen. And I'm, I'm guessing, which is why it tanked. Uh, yeah, at the box office. And not only yeah. that, it didn't. It, even though it got very good reviews, it uh, it, it won the New York Critics. Very, very highly thought of. But yeah. but it got the New York Critics Award for cinematography, but just two technical nominations. And mm. uh, nothing for screenplay. How's Oscar for... Isaac not gay? He came out of nowhere in that he did. movie. He did, and he was he was great. Carrie Mulligan, oh, I just I love her. Uh, even, Justin Timberlake, even Justin Timberlake, <laughs> who's actually not a bad actor. No, John he's but he, and John Goodman is always really and the cat. Always good. And, oh, and the cat. Cat on the subway. Oh my god! One of my favorite images of the entire decade. But it is. It is. A, I, I recently watched it again. I had it, and I thought I'm going to watch it again to see if it really belongs on my ten best. And it's. It is a story about failure in the entertainment business. Yep. And it is a downer. Yes, I, I was going to um, say I. I that's probably why it tanked. And that's because why it, it there's an aspect of the movie that makes you squirm. Yeah. But so much of it is his fault. Yes, true. <laughs> just, he just can't get out of his own way. Yeah. He keeps making one stupid, stupid. decision after another. Right. And pissing the wrong people off. Right, right. And it's got what, uh, forget where the article was, when he uh, does that beautiful uh, audition for F. Murray Abraham right. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And the F. Murray Abraham's first line is like sort of sums up the entire decade according to this article. I wish I remember where I saw it. it said, I don't see money here. Yeah. And there it is. Yeah. There is your teens in one go- gorgeous right. Coen Brothers line. Right. 1960, but it's just, um, it's really, really, I think it's one of their best films. Uh, what, do you, what did you make, what did you... Think of the circular structure, that it begins where it ends. Yeah, I thought that worked. Everything in it worked Yeah, for me. Everything. Uh, and the, the thing, too, about all nine out of my ten best movies are all original screenplays. There's only one adaptation. 
And uh, the thing I can say about him all is he never knew exactly where it was going to go. You kept right. thinking, oh, somehow he's going to get uh, noticed or something something good is going to happen to him. And he and does. doesn't. <laughs> but he has a chance to be in Peter, Paul, and Mary. And, right. he, and, he, and he turns it down because, right. you know, it's selling out. Yeah, it's too commercial. he just wants his $200. <laughs> I've never seen a movie where you go within five minutes from adoring him to just want to smack right. the hell out of him. Like, what is the And he's very good and he's not afraid to be unlikable, which is probably why. I mean, I guess I know he's, he was in one of the Star Wars. In all three of the, of the I, Star I saw Wars one of them, and, and he's he's good in that. And he was terrific in Ex Machina, Alex, Alex yes, Collins' film. Yes, one of the yeah. very, very, very few sci-fi movies that I liked. Yeah, uh, I really did like it's that one. A great discovery on their part, yeah. and all the I love the, the just all the side characters. The, mm-hmm. the couple he stays with up in oh, Columbia. Right, that's mm-hmm. Ethan Phillips and um, uh, Robin Bartlett. Right, uh, you know what the sociology professors. Yeah. it's just so lovingly, even more so than Carol. I think it's so yeah. lovingly yeah. created. Yes, yes. That and every little place. character is is wonderful, and there is humor in it, even though it is a downer. It's not, you know. You know, it's, it's it's not like you come out of it wanting to shoot yourself or anything. No, but you want to shoot him half the time. <laughs> yes. And but you love him too. And also, it, it, it did get the New York Film Critics Award for cinematography. It deserved it. It's beautifully shot. It's Deakins. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. By the way, Roger Deakins shot Blade Runner twenty forty nine, right. which is one of the reasons why it's so beautiful. Right. Uh, he finally won for that, didn't he? No, he won for. He maybe won last he did year? win for that. He, he won for something recently. But, and, he's, and he's going to win on Sunday for, for 1917. 1917. Absolutely, that definitely. That I have no problem with. Yep. So I, I completely agree. I mean, I'm I'm perhaps too rabid a Coen Brothers fan, but this was unlike anything else yeah. they've done. It's not. Yeah, it's just um, so. Well, as I said, sometimes I like them, sometimes I'm disappointed, but I always Well, they've go. always been sort of attracted to mm-hmm. outsiders. And yeah. failure. I mean, yeah. that's what Fargo is about. William mm-hmm. Macy's character yeah. in Fargo oh, is oh like God. the embodiment of Thoreau's, you know, quiet desperation. Yeah. That's exactly who Jerry Lundergaard is. <laughs> I'm working with you here. I'm working with you. And <laughs> Which is why I think that character makes that movie... Difficult for me to rewatch over and over. Really, again. Even I, as well. Is, oh, I it's, could it's, watch it every week. I think it's an excellent movie, but that character is so exasperating, and he's very, but very, yet very you close. Feel very sympathetic for him. But he's very close to Lewin Davis because he makes such stupid mistake one after the other. And, and, I will, and I, Larry Gopnik, uh, the main character in Serious Man, too, yeah. is also a failure. I and, will. Serious Man is a downer. There's no... Well, it's the Book of Job, yes. which is the original yeah, downer. I mean, I mean... <laughs> yeah. But uh, Fargo is not, and Fargo is actually my favorite movie of the 90s. I could not yeah, argue with that. I might put Pulp Fiction there, but... Um, I can I can watch it as, you know, a million, a million times. This bet, one I, yeah. I, This one I couldn't. This one I've only seen, like, three times. I saw it twice at the theater, and then I bought it. And, um, but it's it's great. If you haven't seen it, uh, go see it. it. It's as I said. It's the underbelly of show business. And, and that's a good way. To and pr- and I love the ending when you just you you you're wondering if he's going to make it. Mm-hmm. Well, you're and pulling, then you, you're definitely pulling for him. And yeah. then you and then you hear Bob Dylan yes singing off screen, and you're like, okay, he's done. That's it. He's yeah. going to fade into history now. His moment. He had his moment was close enough. And he, because of his own stupidity and pig-headedness, and also because of the uh, the ups and downs of show business, he's yeah. never going to make it. He's going to be forgotten. Yeah. 
they'll be selling copies of Inside Lewin Davis in a bin somewhere on St. Mark's for That's a couple right. of bucks. Yeah. Lovely, lovely movie. Uh, my number eight, you know, it's funny. Everyone's on everyone's list that I saw, Social Network was um, was towards the top of the list because, you know, they're saying it's sort of the, the film that uh, predicted the teens. Uh, I liked Social Network a lot. I was disappointed in it as a David Fincher fan. It didn't feel very Fincher-like. But I think the film that predicted the teens is my number eight, which is Spike Jonze's Her. And from yeah. 2013, and boy, I can see so if they get good enough with the artificial intelligence, someone's going to fall in love with Alexa, or it's probably happening right now. Yes. And uh, you know, Spike Jones totally confounds me. I, I he I know he comes from money, so he has the ability to do whatever he wants. When he wants, in 21 years since Malkovich, he's made four films. I know. Just Malkovich adaptation, Wild Things, and and this. And I just like, would you please and if you're make out more there movies? and you have not seen Being John Malkovich, you must see Or it. adaptation, or even where the Wild Things yeah. are, which is the weakest of the four, but yeah. still yeah. Wild beautiful. Things are, I did not care But for a beautiful looking film. And I, I just thought that this was perfectly. I don't generally love Joaquin Phoenix. As an actor who's going to no doubt win on Sunday for, uh, for you know Joker. what, I'm not even saying the name. Um, and he's wonderful, totally believable as that character. I think it's his best performance. And I think in some ways it's Scarlett Johansson's best performance, who plays the voice of the operating system, and she conveys such an incredible sense of humanity. Yeah, I don't normally like her. I do like her a lot in Marriage Story. Yeah. And she gets her own superhero movie soon, so that should be exciting. Oh, goody. Uh, yay. And, you know, we've talked when we were talking in episode three about the generation of 99, I kind of lumped Spike Jones, Michelle Gondry, and Charlie Kaufman, who worked around and with each other right. so yeah. much right. in a decade, as sort of the heart of creativity in film during the OOs. And Gondry's kind of disappeared. Kaufman did the animated film Anomalisa, which yeah. I thought Which was is very interesting. intriguing. Yeah, and I, I heard it. he's coming out with something new finally this yeah, year. Yeah, it's been a long time. But Good. that group has completely disappeared except for this film. And I just... Uh, it, How did it... It didn't do well, did it? It did okay. It I did know it won the Oscar for Best Screenplay. Yes. It's not Eternal Sunshine. No, but, but it's it's up there. But I you think have in that... its originality. That, yeah, that same kind of... You know, I talk to my students all the time about the difference between childlike and childish. Mm -hmm. The Jones, Gondry, Kaufman crew are childlike. Yes. There's a real genuine sense yes. of kind of do-it-yourself wonder, let's put something together. There's it, it, It's sweet without being sticky and syrupy and gross, and that's this movie. And I could, I don't know, it's, you know, I don't know if you guys watch Black Mirror, the, uh, a couple season, of them. Mm -hmm. Which is about technology, you know, it's like a Twilight Zone anthology series set in the near future. I love the one about the politician and who's the Oh, that's the, the first one, yes. the pig, yes, yes, exactly, yikes. But uh, it's, you feel that the, black, the best of Black Mirror, and there are a couple of episodes in Black Mirror that are not dark, by the way. The, well, yeah, the one I, the other one I saw had to do with the dating, had to do with oh, artificial my, yeah, dating. about your, that no, but check out, for. this is for everybody, check out an episode called San Junipero, uh, which is, starts out as apparently being about one thing and becomes something very, very different, beautiful, and moving, and that's what I thought this was too, but it was funny, it was sweet, it was likable, Amy Adams, 
playing, you know, always great. And again, I'm just watching it again. I was so impressed. It's on my honorable mention list. And when I saw it was on, it was almost on my list. When I saw you had it, I thought, eh, I'll take it off. So it's... it's Yes. And and to me, what stays with me about her is that in spite of the fact that it's technology, it's about the possibility in this age of technology of yeah. real human connection, of, of, of humans actually reaching out to each other, especially at the ending, you know, which sort of right. suggests that something's going to happen with Joaquin Phoenix and, and uh, Amy Adams, who are yeah. old friends. But it's just touching, moving, sweet, funny. It's all the good things we yeah. loved about those Jones, Gondry, Kaufman yeah. films. In uh, in the OOs, and so a, a beautiful return to form. Yeah. Please make more movies, Spike. Yes, I know. Yes. I know. Please. Well, there's seriously, a, there's an aspect to it that's almost sort of like the, the kind of old-fashioned romance. You're you're pulling for them to be together, but you have to keep reminding yourself. But he's falling in love with with, with Siri. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But it works, and I think, and again, more all credit to, to uh, Scarlett Johansson yes. for making that work. There's a yeah. she really does kind of sexuality in her voice that mm-hmm. is very unforced and very real and it's in this time you know the great irony of our age is that computers were supposed to bring us all together and they're tearing us all apart because instead of having no connection with each other we have the only thing worse which is the illusion of connection yes. with each other I have 682 friends on Facebook well, yeah. what does that mean and this makes this believable, sweet, touching, and as I said, the adjective that always strikes me with Spike Jones in its best sense is childlike. A genuine sense of yeah. wonder yeah. at the possibilities of life. I just love this movie more and more every time I watch it. That's my number eight. Johnny, number seven. Uh, well, that was Carol. Oh, okay. So, so anything we always, else we need to... Th- I think we, we talked about I Carol. I think we talked about that. Again, the, the, so, the thing that always sticks with me about Carol is just all those those shots of the windows and mirrors. There's yeah. so many... Yeah. And it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful looking movie. Oh, God. Uh, and it, but the production design doesn't take over the movie. It's always, it's always contributing to the relationship and story. And it's, I saw an article that suggested that there were critics who said that Nabokov was inspired... By their sort of journey west in cheap hotels, uh-huh. you know, for that section of Lolita, right? Um, and I, I love the journey out west. Yeah. I love yeah. the time oh, away yeah. from the city. Yeah, and that's where I had that encounter with the. You know, it was shot detective. It wasn't shot in New York, uh, Carol. It was shot in Cleveland. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It feels yeah. Cleveland still feels like a very fifty yeah. city in a good way. Um, Interesting. And again, a shout out. To Carter Burwell, you know the Coen brothers. Oh, the music! Use oh, him yeah. for the music. Music's great. Their music all music in all their is films. Great. Just glorious. That yeah. oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. All right. So for John number seven, Todd Haynes's Carol. Okay, my seven, and I don't want to talk much about it because I think there are a lot of people who haven't seen it. It's Parasite. And go for it. Yeah. I don't. I really don't want to talk a lot about it because. Why don't we? Wait then until it's the second half. Maybe, yeah. I think because well, like you're telling me a top five. Parasite is on my top five. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. It's 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 just outside my top. Five. It's just all I will say, and what I said before when I when John and I saw it together, I just said Bunuel would smile. Absolutely, and that and is such a perfect comment, yeah, Michael. Absolutely, and, and I just no great one's, movie. No one's done class warfare as well as, as since Bunuel. Since Bunuel, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, 
I do know a few people who don't like it, and I, I really can't understand. No. And, <laughs> and it's funny because he did the same thing sort of with Snowpiercer back in 2012. Which I did see, and I didn't like as much. Right. With the, it was, the alleg- again, a social yeah. class allegory, but kind of very heavy-handed. Very heavy-handed. The poor people are in the back of the train, yeah. and the rich people are at the front Wasn't, of the train. It was never dull. No, but... Um, but it wasn't anything. Well, I think I think something that's lost with some people when they hear about this movie is that there's a lot of humor in it. You could almost describe it as a... Almost comedy. Well, you could describe it as a screwball comedy that goes very dark. Yes. Very yeah. dark. And yeah. no spoilers here, but there is that left turn in the middle of the yeah. film, and yeah. you're pretty sure you know where it's going, and, and then, then you go nowhere else. And I just want to add... I am very, very proud of my union, my union of Screen Actors Guild for giving it the best overall cast. Yes, um, bravo! I, I, when it came time to vote, it was between that and The Irishman, and then the Oscar nominations came out, and I was so mad that not one single actor got nominated from *Parasite*. I said, "Damn it! If they deserve, they they." Oh, just, they were everybody. And everybody in it, it is really so good. good, and it was so delightful just to see them win. And, you know, a few of them could speak English, some of them couldn't, but they were so happy, and it was like, yes. And I'm, I'm really keeping my fingers crossed. I know you like uh, 1970. Oh, no, Parasite was my favorite movie of the year. But Easily. it should definitely win Best screen, Screenplay over, it should. over 1917. Yes, absolutely. It really should. It'll, you, think, you think it has a chance to win Best Picture? No, uh, no, no, no. no. Foreign It'll films, win foreign, yeah. yeah that, uh, it was like Roma last year. Yeah, we thought that and, that might win. But yeah, it but it, it gives people the chance to say, okay, we've checked it off yeah. in this. Yeah. It, it, I thought it might have had a, a chance to win Best Director until the uh, Director's Guild Awards came out and Mendes won. I mean, I my introduction to South Korean film was uh, of Zold Boy, was uh, Chandler <gasps> Park, which mm. I loved. I'd never seen anything like it before. Yeah, for, that, that was it was brutal. But, that was a little much for me. But then when The Host came out, which, was, bu- which is Bong Joon-ho, which is like Cloverfield, uh, a, a great monster movie where you never see the monster, mm-hmm. or I'm not putting it in the same category as Jaws, but the other great monster movie where you don't see the monster, until three quarters of the way. And then Mother. Did you guys see his film Mother? Yes. Wait, no. The, it's n- not not the Aronofsky mother with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Saw, no, yeah. this was out in about 2010 or so about the mother again with a Korean cast. The mother uh, has a special needs son, and he is accused of murder. And it's about the lengths that she goes to defend him. Again, completely. Yes, unique. I did see it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Right. That's Bong Joon Ho. That's yes. the same director. Yes. And he also did Okja, the one about the pig. That I didn't that see. That was out a couple of years ago. That's sort of yeah. ecological, environmental right, fable. He right. may be the smartest director working, mm. certainly outside of America, maybe in the whole world. Well, I hope he picks up a, a screenplay award, and he might even pick up film editing. You know, 1917's not nominated for film editing. Right, because there's no yeah. edits. Yeah. <laughs> that well, seems only fair. But they are, I mean... It's like, I don't understand yeah. why City Lights didn't get nominated for Best Sound. I don't get huh? What? <laughs> so, all right. My number seven is Grand Budapest, which we've talked about. And again, I just reiterate my shock 
at finding a Wes Anderson film on my best of the decade because I've always sort of smiled at his films and found them very precious and a little overbaked. And yes, he's got a wonderful. Yeah, they don't all work. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. That, that but they all, no, all but when work. I tell people I, I I like Rushmore a lot and Tenenbaums, they're like, oh my god, those are my favorite movies of all time. I'm mm. like, mm, no, none of none of Wes Anderson's movies are my all time. But, but I think there's a couple of possibilities as to why this stands out, and I think we talked about one of them. First of all, it's based on not just in the past, and we were talking about the the encroaching fascism that yes. gives it a real sense of melancholy and of yeah. a. Uh, yeah. He, I forget who it was. I think it's F. Murray Abraham is the older Zero. Yes. Who says that he was um, he was the last connection to that vanished world. Right. And right. The, the, the it was based on the work of Stefan Zweig, yes. you know, who brilliant writer who chronicled in a very personal and interesting and non political way what that time felt like as Europe was sliding slowly, inexorably into fascism. And as I said, to me that's what, that and maybe it's Ray Fines. Because he always finds good actors for his lines. It's always the same actors, but yeah. boy. Gustav H is possibly my favorite character of the entire decade. He's, uh, I, I, I could understand that. Ray Fiennes is brilliant in it. Yep. He usually is good. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I rarely come yes. from a movie that he's been in going, oh, God, he just walked through it. He doesn't walk through things. No, no. He's, he's extraordinary. I remember liking him in it. Yeah. No, and I remember one of the great debuts. You know, I'd never heard of him before Schindler's List. And Neither he I. completely stole that movie. He did. Sorry, Ben Kingsley and Liam Neeson, yeah. but oh, he I, easily yeah. did. No, he yeah. did. He did. He was, frankly, the only three-dimensional character. Right, I he was electric. He was like, yeah. who is this guy? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, no, every time he appeared on on screen, it was like the, the, the level of the movie just... Absolutely. Up a few notches. And there's just something about the, there's a fairy tale quality to all of Wes's stuff, even Moonrise yeah. Kingdom, especially. Mm-hmm. But Moonrise that, Kingdom, I like a lot. Uh, the the mountain setting, you know, Zubrovka, yeah. whatever it is, <laughs> yes. it, it's yeah. just. And for once, I found his artificiality, like this chase with Willem Dafoe the, and the, it works the ski in this. chase. Yeah, it just it's, it's, it works. Yeah. I don't know why, but I'm shocked to find a Wes Anderson. Film I think that's it's my partly because seven. because you're seeing. The story that a person is telling to another. Yes, it's right. It's structured yeah. like uh, yeah. it's it, like Edward Scissorhands. Let yeah. me tell you. Let me tell you the story. Yeah. Remember, Edward Scissorhands begins with a little girl asking, yeah. you know, and a writer, right. "Where does the snow come from?" Yeah, and the whole film is the answer to that yeah. question, and it's also a beautiful fairy tale. So, yeah, my number seven, shockingly to me, is uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Number six, Johnny Boy. Ah. First Reformed. Ah! Not surprised. Yeah. I think this really simple way to describe this movie is about a battle between hope and hopelessness. Absolutely. It's truly the story of our times now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I really, really love how it centers on a, a small world, a small town, basically focusing on one person, yet it's about everything <laughs> and, uh, and what to me what's miraculous about it and we talked about it when we are talking about our best of the year is that it, it is there's always that fine line between homage and rip off and it yeah, and yeah. boy does he he manages to pay tribute to Diary of the Country Priest and to Winter Light it's two sources right. but it's it's, but it's, it's, it's own thing it's own thing it and, really and, makes it his and the way that it's able to I, I mean explore his guilt his his grief 
uh, because he blames himself for the death of his son. Uh, I did be clear, he's he's a minister at Upstate uh, Ethan Hawke. In a Dutch Reformed... Uh, yeah, he's excellent in it. Um, I've always liked Ethan Hawke. Sometimes, but he's showing but up how, on my list next. But next how? Month. But then it's how Hamlet. it goes it, <laughs> oh, about him yeah, trying yeah. to explore and how he's trying to do the right thing, and then he meets the couple who the the husband doesn't want to have a child, which by the way is a real issue today. More and more people are talking about they don't want children because of climate change, uh, climate change. and that's winter light, right? The the father yeah, doesn't want to have because of the possibility of the, nuclear annihilation. Yeah, yeah. So, and he really starts to question all these different things. Yet the movie never feels contrived, ever. It's yeah. it's definitely no, I, its own I, world, and its ending is completely wonderful and yes. unique and yeah. odd and yeah, and, and surprising. But it's, it's but it's it, it works. And it's written and directed. You didn't mention Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader. Oh my! And it's by far his best film. Yeah, uh, it, it didn't quite make my top ten, but it, it, it it's it's in my it's in my yeah. honorable yeah, mentions. Yeah, me too. Well, some people is, have it, described it as Travis Bickle in a church. I think that's a little much. I think it's a little superficial. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. a little glib. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I think so too. I would describe Joker as Rupert Pupkin and uh, <laughs> the love child of Rupert Pupkin and uh, and and uh, Travis Bickle. Um, okay, I'm not mentioning Joker anymore. Mike's going to leave if I do. So, well, no, it's just it's such a terrible movie. I, I, it's I, not going to win Best Picture, is it? Mike? it if it is, I, I will destroy my TV set. And I said that. Uh, and sorry, no, but, any, but, but mm-hmm. first reformed is written and directed by Paul, Paul yes. Schrader. It's a, and, it's, and in just, some yeah. ways, it's a very austere film, yes. but it's very rich. Very rich. Um, I, I, it was a real sleeper. It didn't really do much business, but uh, and I can see why. Uh, although I thought Ethan Hawke was definitely robbed of an Oscar nomination last year. Yeah, I, I, yeah. that was yeah, insane because he won every award. It did get nominated for best screenplay, but. Uh, but he won like every critics award, and it just didn't. Uh, I don't even know. I don't. I, you're the only two people I know of that have seen the movie besides myself. See, <laughs> I know. Well, I saw it at SAG, and I was not expecting anything because I thought, oh, another Schrader film. And it just like it. It just blew me away. It was like I cannot believe how good this is. Yeah. He really did this. Direct this because he's directed some really awful movies. Who played the wife? Was it? Um... No, the, well, there's, there is the wife is not in the movie. No, no um, oh, his wife the, is uh, that blonde. It's Amanda uh, Amanda, Amanda Seyfried. Yes, yeah. Yeah. She, again, who she always was, surprises me. She was she really was, wonderful. She was very good. Yeah, really and let's not forget, in the only time I've ever seen him in a dramatic role, role, Cedric the Entertainer. Yep, Cedric, oh, yeah. as, oh, as the head of the big the mega yeah. church. Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's just it it, it was truly for me the sleeper of the decade because I just did not expect. Yeah. yeah. This to be no argument from knowing how many years. I mean, he's written some good screenplays for Scorsese, but I I generally find the films he's directed. I liked American Gigolo. It was okay. It was alright. Have you watched it lately? But I think I think the other thing that this is this is a Paul Schrader movie that is really a Paul Schrader movie. Yeah. Like the last Catholic. Yeah. 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 And his Calvinist upbringing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yep. Absolutely. No doubt. I, I, it was a complete and total surprise. I loved it. Well, very quickly, my number six is Lewin Davis, um, okay. which, which, you know, which when I resaw, it just kept moving up the list. <laughs> I originally had it about seven or eight, maybe yeah, nine. I thought and we it could talk up, about it together. It ended up at six, but, you know, I think we've said, um, we've said. I have to Everything watch it again. I haven't, I haven't seen it in a while. No, I, ha- I oh, haven't watched it, it again, but I, 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 haven't, okay. I haven't seen it in a while. Every time you think you've seen the Coen brothers and what they can do, they'll left turn on you yeah. and, and, and do something you like never that. Know. Yeah, and sometimes in a good way and sometimes in a not-so-good way. And sometimes, like Buster Scruggs, you get both in the yeah. same, the same yeah. movie, yeah. unfortunately. I always tell people, well, you have to at least watch the, the first, first episode. <laughs> One of the funniest things I've ever yes. seen. Yeah. But the two musical numbers, Scarlett Johansson's Esther Williams number in Hell Caesar, and then the mm-hmm. number with the, the sailors dancing in the bar. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. was one of the funniest things there I've were, ever there seen. There were good things in Hell Caesar, just didn't hang together. And, yeah, uh, and Ray Fine's trying to teach, teach. uh, <laughs> Would that it were so. Yeah. No, no, say it like I am. Why are you saying it like that? Would that it were so. Would that it were so. I kept thinking of George Cougar. <laughs> And, uh, and and again, there's Ray Fiennes again. Right. Um, well, all right. So okay. there you. There and you, my oh, number six. I thought you. I thought we didn't. No, your six. you didn't do my six. Oh, I skipped your six. You skipped my six. Amour. Oh dear. Yes. There's a nice happy film. I'm waiting for Amour the musical. Yes. <laughs> the only uh, musical you forget when you leave. So. When I I saw this at <laughs> the, score by Gustav Mahler. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when I saw this at the Screen Actors Guild, usually there's polite applause. Sometimes it's rapturous applause. This was nothing. People were like shocked after this movie, and I, not not out of dislike because occasionally you hear hisses, but mm. um, this movie and. I loved it when I saw it, and I bought a copy, and for, uh, I guess, until a week ago last Wednesday, it remained unopened. Because <laughs> there were scenes in it that I remembered, but I thought, you know, I have it, I should open it. I, I've never pushed it on anybody, because I wanted my friends to, you know, continue being my friends. It's a, it's one of the most. It's a big ask, Mike, but we'll we'll try. It's 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 one of the most difficult films. I know the yeah. few people I know who've seen it, with with two or three exceptions. People, this is almost a, a, like the Irishman. Younger people I know who've seen it, or people even my age, do not like it. I, I take it you don't like it. No, I, I, it's it's in my uh, oh, my yeah. honorable mention. Oh, okay. I think it's stunning, and I think that Hanukkah does not get enough credit as. One of the great directors in the world, yeah. if not among the best. He, he is really great, although I have never quite forgiven him for funny games. Oof. Brutal. But I love Cachet. I really I loved Cachet. White Ribbon. And I liked um, the, the Piano Teacher. Piano Teacher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's one of my favorite films of the previous but, decade. But there's never been a film like Amour. There's no. never been anything done quite like it. And, of course, you know, we got to mention the late Emmanuel Riva. Who got all the uh, acclaim for her performance? She was the oldest Oscar nominee in history. She didn't speak a word of English. She had never been to Hollywood. We know Lovely. that, uh, you know. And of How course, old was she? 80, oh, Eighty-six. When she was nominated. Yeah, I, oldest in a leading role. Yeah, Gloria Stewart, I think, yeah, still holds yes. the record. Yeah, that's but, gonna be a hard one. Well, uh, and you, you haven't seen it yet, John. No, I have not. Huh? I will lend it to you. It's devastating. It is a I devast- promise I'll still be your friend after I watch it. I'm not sure. I'm your but witness, oddly, as are our listeners. Oddly <laughs> enough, though, the two other people who I do know like it are people in their 70s. 
who really do like it. <laughs> and um, but I want to I want to say something about the actor who plays her husband, who didn't really get the notoriety that he deserved. I mean, is Jean-Louis Trajan Trantignon yeah. one of the great actors? I mean, oh, look, he's good. Oh, look at what he's good. been in. Yep. Yeah. He has been in God Created Women. He's been in um, A Man and a Woman, a movie I don't particularly like, but a lot of people love it. He's in the Z. He's in The Conformist. Mm. He's in Red. Oh, my God, this yep. man has done so, so much. Yeah. And he's, he maybe doesn't have as physically difficult role as Emmanuel River, because what she does, uh, you know, in, in it, this is a woman who's had a stroke, and um, what she does physically is is devastating. And he is her character giver, but he is in my and I think he's retired now, or he's about to retire. He's like ninety. And uh, he is a brilliant, brilliant actor. Um, and he's never... I mean, The Conformist and wouldn't be yeah. without oh him. God, yeah. such a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, Hanukkah has a reputation for cruelty, like in Funny Games. Oh and God. you would think that this would, Amour would be kind of a setup for at least insens- insensitivity, if not cruelty. And it is one of the most unsparing, but not cruel portrayals of the unthinkable although it's just although there, there were uh, critics who really did not like it because they thought it was a cruel yeah I mean, yeah, I remember when it came out, yeah. reading a few reviews that said that, yes. But in Funny Games, cruelty was, and cachet, cruelty yeah. was his intention, not yeah. here. And again, it, it's one of the most common stories in humanity, and yet it's never been told this mm-hmm. well. But I, the minute you said we have a, have a 10 best of the decade, a more just immediately popped in. Yeah. It, it just, even though I only saw it once, and... I was even uh, couldn't believe that I kept it wrapped in my in my uh, cupboard. You know, like I didn't have the guts to watch it again because. It, and now you know I watched it last week, three days, four days before I turned sixty-five, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, but I can honestly see why older people would like it now. Now that I'm older, it's a good." almost decade because it came out in 2012 I think or yeah 11 12 somewhere in yeah there. and um, so yeah it, it's it's a great film all right so that's okay. a reasonably good segue from six through ten into necrology time unfortunately <laughs> the, uh, the, the the necrology is t- way too large oh my god this and we're not even going to touch on Kirk Douglas who just passed the other day we're gonna we're gonna Today, save Kirk, yeah we're gonna save Kirk Douglas for um, five through one in our next episode because he deserves a whole lot but we'll start with Danny Aiello Danny Aiello one of the great 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 character actors what are we doing we're waiting for Johnny Camareri (laughs) yeah but he one of his great performances oh my god do the right thing South he is so great I think one American of the things, Italians think, on the wall. I only. think one of the things I remember most about Daniel is his warmth. Yeah, yeah, Always. and he was equally yeah. good on stage. He didn't do as much, but he. he I remember seeing him in the Woody Allen play, the floating uh, light bulb. Oh right. Yeah, he was wonderful in that. And if you uh, briefly, there is a Danny Aiello movie. He's the lead, and people don't know about it. It's from 1993, called The Pickle. Directed hmm. by Paul Mazursky. I don't have it. It's a kind of a... Two-thirds of the movie is about him, the director, trying to uh, 
reevaluate his life. It's sort of uh, Mazursky's eight and a half, although he did something like that earlier in his career. Um, the Wonderland, Alex in Wonderland. Alex in Wonderland, yeah. Which I have wow. never seen. No, I've never seen But either. the pickle, but two thirds of it is him trying to decide, you know, if he he's suicidal. It's comedy. But he's suicidal, and this movie is about to open, and, um, you know, he's talking to his ex-wife, who's Diane Cannon. His mother, Shelley Winters, a really good late in career performance by her. Um, who else is in it? Chris Penn is in it. Um, oh, Jerry Stiller plays his agent. Two-thirds of it is really quite moving, and one-third of it is The Pickle, which is really awful. But I think that's maybe part of the point. It's this horrible sci-fi comedy. Uh, Ali Sheedy is in it. Hmm. And the movie did no business, but Danny Aiello is so wonderful. And, and you look at, and I looked at him and I go, God, why don't you get more leading roles? And so if you can ever find it, and I don't know if it's even Well, available. another movie I would recommend if anyone out there likes Danny Aiello is Dinner Rush. Yes, Never saw it. And, yeah, mm-hmm. Independent film. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, he's about a, uh, he owns a restaurant in Tribeca. It's an Italian restaurant. His son is the master chef who really is the one who keeps getting the people to come in because he's very creative with the dishes he makes. And uh, there's another character in the movie that works with the master chef. He's the sous chef. But Daniello is the father is sort of like, seems to be showing more love towards the, the character that's not his son. Mm. It's a wonderful movie. Uh, I said anyone, you should check it someone out. Someone who, the classic definition of a character actor. Yeah. Someone yeah. who has been yeah. in terrible movies but has never given a bad performance. Never. Not one. Uh, and never took an acting lesson. No, I, I, I still find that hard to believe. And I, <laughs> his life could be a movie itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing he story. Because uh, he was a burglar. <laughs> he was robbing places to support his family for a while before he started work as an actor. Mm. To be missed. Yes. Um, uh, next up for me, there there are many moments in film that might get on my list as the uh, sexiest moments in film, but there's only one number one, and it is and always will be in Godard's Band Apart from 1964, and that's Anna Karina, and, who was then his wife, and Sammy Fry and Claude Brasseur dancing to Madison. And she's in that sweater, and she's wearing his hat, and it is just the sexiest thing ever. And then there's, of course, it being Godard, the music stops, and you hear Godard narrating what's going on in all their heads because mm-hmm. it's Godard. And, you know, her some of her other work with Godard in that period when they were together from 63 to, I think, 66... They weren't. Um, is that how they were married? I, it was a short-lived marriage, oh. but he discovered her. She was. I know a, that. Yeah. Yeah. She was in a commercial uh, for soap or something like that. Yeah, she and was. Yeah, she was like a model. My commercial. goodness, I, I just and and boy, did she have a lot of competition. You mentioned Emmanuel Riva before, yeah. and uh, and so Monica Vitti and Delphine Seru and so many great actresses. You know, Brigitte Bardot in Contempt right. turned out to be a great actress, but. To me, if when I think of French New Wave and actresses and pure sexiness, effortless sexiness on film, it was Anna Karina. It was and nice that the film forum did a kind of a tribute for her. She, she will be yeah. she will be greatly missed, and I, that was one of the scenes that I would show my film kids that they would always delight. No, she's in. definitely one of the most important figures of the French New Wave. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Sad to lose her. Yeah, Buck Henry. Buck Henry, wow. 
I mean, what a bizarre career. I mean, he wrote, he acted, and he directed a little bit, not much. And appeared on Saturday Night Live. And appeared many times. Tons of times. I remember, yeah, in the beginning. <laughs> on Saturday Night Live. I, I think movie-wise, his, his most important contribution, of course, is the screenplay for right. The Graduate. He also did uh, the screenplays for Catch-22. Heaven Can Wait? Yeah. No, he didn't well, do the no, screenplay. He, he co-directed it. Yeah. He only directed two films. That and First Family, which was a political satire with Bob Newhart and Madeline Kahn. Hmm. The less said about that, the better. Okay. But it's interesting because... Uh, I was reading the rereading the chapter on Heaven Can Wait in a Warren ba- Beatty uh, biography, and uh, Beatty had not directed before. This was his first, you know, first time. And at first, it was going to be, well, you're going to direct me in all the scenes, and then I'll direct the rest. Well, he's he's in Beatty's in like eighty eight percent of the movie, <laughs> and then it became he's in almost he's in almost every yeah. shot. You don't so. see Heaven Can Wait much anymore. Oh, it's on. Uh, it shows Turner. up every once in a while. Turner has it, and uh, it's even a blandly entertaining movie. It is. It's nothing. Nothing. Um, What's it a remake of? Uh, here comes Mr. Here Jordan, comes Mr. Dr. Claude Rains, which right. I've never seen. Yep. Have you? I've seen it. I've uh, seen it. It's okay. Who's that? It's Claude um, Rains, though. Yes. <laughs> and who he wanted. That was the main reason I watched exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> and who, uh, who they wanted for the um, James Mason character. He it was wanted Cary Grant. Cary Grant yeah. turned it down, and then Eugene McCarthy. Really? Yeah. What a bizarre choice. I know. Well known That actor. was Warren Beatty's idea? That was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. The, but Buck Henry basically. He was there directing parts of it, and it was kind of. He did direct most of the scenes that Julie Christie was doing with him and Beatty because by now Christie was barely on speaking terms with Beatty. Beatty had auditioned hundreds of actresses, including Diane Keaton, Mm. for that part, and he kept saying, It's got to be Julie, it's got to be Julie. She had left Hollywood, gone back to Wales and wanted to have nothing to do with it. He finally coaxed her with a lot of money. And basically, and then she read the script and thought it was a piece of shit. <laughs> and told him so. And the, 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 apparently there was a lot of tension between them and Buck Henry was there it, to direct those scenes. But to you make know what? Um, oh, and she, on, hated, and she hated her haircut. On film, though, you, they there's, look, there's chemistry they between look, them. It is, absolutely. Yeah, they definitely, they, there's parts where they look, like they look like they're in love. Absolutely. But, you know, even you if never he had, know. And he might have been, but not her. Yeah. If he had done nothing but written the script for Graduate, he'd still be one of the all-time. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And um, to die for. He wrote the screenplay to that, which I actually Oh, did. Nicole Kidman. I yeah. love that movie. I do too. Oh, yeah. about I the uh, teacher who yeah. gets her uh, student to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, that's a. Yeah. I think that was Joaquin Van Phoenix's. Did Van Zandt yeah. direct that? Yeah. to be the star weather person. Yeah. That's I like that movie a lot. That's a really good movie. Right. She's it a is. weather. Right. She, it was based on the story of the teacher who got her yeah. student to, but she's a. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's a great. Boy. That's yeah. a forgotten film. I love and that And it shouldn't movie. be because I thought that was one of the best comedies. To Die For, 1994 or so, Something like that, yeah. yeah. yeah we have excellent, to excellent movie. We have to do a quick mention to uh, Ivan Passer because yes. in our, only, if for no other reason, I mean, sort of played second fiddle to Milos Forman and, you know, in the Czech New Wave, but, you know, if only for one film, it's Cutter's Way. Cutter's yeah. Way. Yeah. Excellent. Or excellent Cutter's and, bo- and Bone. 
Yeah, cut, yeah, mean, Cutter and Bone, they, I think, was the original title, uh, and then they changed it to Cutter's Way. It didn't help. I mean, it didn't... It didn't, didn't do much any business, business, but it's and it was such an a good excellent movie. movie. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. John, yeah. John Hurd and, uh, um, and Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Jeff Bridges, really good movie. And Lisa Eichhorn. Right. Lisa Eichhorn, wow. She pops up on TV on a Law & Order here and there. Interesting. Yeah. That's a name you don't hear. I and, know. And finally, the hardest, uh, as well, hard as it was to lose... Oh, yeah, go ahead. We, we, well, there's two more. Two more. Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say that the you, hardest one, the hardest lost for me, because we haven't lost one of them in 30 years, mm-hmm. was Terry Jones. Um, I cannot even begin to explain how important Monty Python was to me growing up. And, yeah. you know, they kind of wrote in camps. Eric Idle wrote himself, Chapman and Cleese wrote together, and Jones wrote with Michael Palin. And I, oh, of the ones, I, you know, I was the kind of kid who would memorize entire episodes of Monty, Monty Python, Python when I was like 10 years old. And it was, it, it, the Jones-Palin combination was just, I, I find that stuff from the, I love Monty Python. Oh my yeah. God, but incredibly influential on me, not just in terms of my sense of humor, but you know, I learned much more about history from them than I did <laughs> in, 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 in elementary school, you know, because they do a sketch on the Spanish Inquisition, and I'd be 10, like, what's the Spanish Inquisition? I didn't expect that. And, um, Neither so, did they. No, like, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. And, and I, so I went and looked it up. So God, profoundly influential, and, you know, directing uh, Holy Grail yep. and Life of Brian. Meaning of Life, Life was... Life of Brian, oh, God. Yeah. Great movie. Uh, great movie. Uh, the the last one they did together was pretty horrible. Which uh, one? Meaning of uh, Meaning of Life. This sort of sketch. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. really bad. But and then in his free time was writing well received critical works on Geoffrey Chaucer. Yeah. I mean, an absolute genius. And I, I. Yeah. Palin's my favorite Python. Always has been. But boy, will Terry Jones be missed. Absolutely. I, it was a you know Graham Chapman died very young back in eighty nine, yeah. and you know we've the rest of them have been around for all this time. And uh, I can't even begin to say how much we will miss Arthur Two Sheds Jackson, my favorite Terry Jones character. <laughs> and, Who else do we got? Uh, oh, and Sue Lyon. And Sue Lyon, which I didn't realize until I read her obituary that she was only 14 when she shot. Uh, I thought Lida. she was 16. I thought she was too, but according to the Did obituary. They lie about her age? I think so. Wow. In the novel, she's 12, right? Yeah, in the novel, yeah. she's 12. Yeah. And. I have to say, in in Lolita, it works. Mm-hmm. She works. It works because she is. You can understand why James uh, Mason would. Oh yeah. Be attracted to. Yeah. And uh, in the remake, I, I couldn't because they, they do you really did use a twelve year old. Well, yeah. And it for me it was like. No, huh? the the remake they stick very very close to close the novel, to the novel, but, and it's, but it doesn't work as well as yeah. the Kubrick movie. Right. And um, agreed. She has the dubious distinction of her first, uh, I think, her first three films, working with three of the greatest directors. Uh, after uh, Lolita, she did John Huston's Night of the Iguana. Mm. And then she was in uh, John Ford's last film, Seven Women. Seven Women. Which is probably his worst film. <laughs> it's a really Save very, the worst for less. very, very bad <laughs> film. And... Frankly, she's not very good. And actually, I didn't think she was terribly good in Night of the Iguana, which is a movie I otherwise like. And then uh, she did a couple other things and married like six or seven times and married a convict in, in prison. And, and it kind of just faded away. And um, 
It's, oh, sounds like a sad life. It does, yeah. It, it, I don't think she's worked at all since the early 80s. Strange. Yeah. It's sad, and and that is a memorable... It's hard to embody Lolita. But yeah, and yeah. She, and she did. And I, was, I thought she was older, and that's when, when I read the obituary, I thought, 14? That's well, just well anyone that's seen Lolita will never forget the first shot you see of her. No, you yeah. won't. Really, I think I, I think it's one of Kubrick's best films. Overdone, a little Peter Sellers overdone. I love Peter Sellers in it. Yeah, I, I think it's a little much. Of I don't yeah. care. I love him in it. I think James Mason is brilliant. Yes, I think James Mason is brilliant. So is Shelley Winters. Yes, yeah. well, it's a great, yeah. great piece of work. Yeah, and often forgotten in his more epic yeah. films as Kubrick. Yeah. So there you have it, my friends, our loyal listeners, both of you. Uh, episode <laughs> episode there 18. Might be a third. No, there are actually uh, we're over 100 at least, <laughs> sometimes even more. And that's just on SoundCloud alone, so I, I don't even know how to check the iTunes numbers, but I will. Um, numbers 6 through 10. So in our next episode, of course, we will turn back one last time to the teens and talk about episode our favorite um films from number five to number one. I know you're waiting with bated breath to see what our number ones are. No one's going to be surprised at mine, but there you go. Um, And and in our necrology section, we will uh, pay tribute to uh, Kirk Douglas, who deserves it, and uh, hopefully not have too much to grouse about the Oscars. Um, For me, enough grousing that Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for director and Todd Phillips did for Joker. But let's not even go there. Everyone enjoy the Oscars. Everyone hates the Oscars. Everyone says they're bullshit. And everyone watches them anyway. So we'll be watching. So enjoy. Um, As always, Vintage Sand is a five nines and a four production. We want to thank Melissa for her ceaseless technical help, Gabby, for the lovely logo. Please check out our website, which is imaginatively and shockingly called www www.vintagesand.com Send us thoughts, comments, uh, errata, suggestions, uh, and anything else you think about shows we can do in the future or what Please. you thought about what we've done. Yes. And if you think you know what five nines and a four means, you can leave your, your guess. You have to work for a certain publishing company in the 80s to know that one, but I will, I will leave it there. I will leave it there. Um, happy watching. As I said, enjoy the Oscars and our traditional send-off. May your favorite films always be streaming.